Hello and welcome to Legends of the New Republic. I am David, one of your hosts. We are a book club podcast, reading and discussing Star Wars Legends novels set after The Return of the Jedi. Uh, we are still reading through Truce at Pecora by Kathy Tires, and things are really heating up this week. Uh, joining me this week are... Hi, I'm Jason, and my sole purpose here is to just smile and nod at all the anime references. <laughs> I'm Kat, and I am here to keep things on track, and also here to represent Chris in spirit. And I'm Jay, and I'm just here trying to remember the witty intro that I had come up with for this week's episode. <laughs> yes, everyone. Uh, as Kat mentioned, Chris is AWOL this week. He's hanging out with his family, which is obviously the worst choice he could possibly have made, and we all are angry at him. No. Um, Who needs he, a family? <laughs> I mean, if there's anything we've learned from Star Wars... Is that, <laughs> is that right, now I'm expecting the force ghost of Chris to arrive and tell us we have to go somewhere and, and Akbar will just be like, all right, cool, you've got your orders. Well, yeah, I would, first I would ask what his ghost rank was. But... Exactly. <laughs> have you reached, like, Super Thetan or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh -oh. Wow, uh -oh. we've already started with the, like, stupid jokes. We're only two minutes and 20 seconds into the episode. Ideal. I expect nothing less. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, we um, correct me if I'm wrong, because I actually missed last week. Uh, we got through chapter 13 last week, correct? Yes, we did. If memory oh, serves, right. yeah. And we had 20 minutes to spare. So we talked about other stuff about Star Wars. <laughs> that is OK. I'm looking forward to editing that episode. It should be fun. But with chapter 14, um, so we left off with Leia headbutting Narius and uh, then getting stunned by some stormtroopers. So things have really, really gone downhill for the rebel <laughs> Imperial truce. Um, I gotta say, that just seems like the Amidalin method of negotiation. <laughs> I was gonna say it sounded like the Anakin Skywalker negotiation method, but, you know, they were married, so it just runs in the family. So let me get this straight. You're going to the peace talk, and you're not bringing any of your weapons with you? Yeah, I mean, I've been binge-watching Clone Wars, so I could really just literally imagine Anakin being like, wait, why wouldn't you bring a gun to a peace talk? <laughs> <laughs> what happens when things go downhill? And Padme's like, no, you bring the gun, but you keep it very well hidden. <laughs> That's why Padme has those elaborate hairdos. They're full of guns. Unless you're Luke and then you pass it off as not a weapon, but a... A, 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 a wizard's staff. <laughs> yes. He couldn't even claim the Gandalf thing. And it was very similar to the Gandalf thing in The Two Towers, but I don't remember exactly what he said it was. I think he just said it was like a tool. You know, because everyone wants to bring their, like, ball-peen hammer to dinner. You know... <laughs> oh, it's okay. It's just a staple gun. It's fine. Okay, so that actually reminds me of one of my family dinners. So there's I'm very afraid to hear what about a staple gun. <laughs> so it was it wasn't it wasn't a staple gun, but it was a tool. So the 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 table that we have in one of the rooms the room that we were eating in that day 
it has these pegs that keep it all together. And every so often you have to get a hammer and peg them back into place. And I noticed that the pe- like one of the pegs was ready to fall out and the other one was getting very close to falling out. I'm like, oh, I should take care of this before, you know, the table collapses while everyone's eating on it. So without <laughs> a word, I walk up, walk into the hallway, g- go digging in my toolbox I come back with a hammer. At this point, everyone is watching me in silence. And I'm just wa- I walk over back to where I was sitting with with my hammer, and I get and I and I kneel down and I just start hammering the pegs. And and it was that one of those things where not everyone knew what I was doing, but but my it's my grandparents' house, so they knew what I was doing. So like my uncle was like, Jay, what what the what the hell are you doing? And my grandma was like, No, no. Just, just let them do it. Don't stop her. <laughs> this, and then I, just, it makes me think that Luke Skywalker at some point pulled his lightsaber out to cut up his vegetables. <laughs> I mean, Anakin I mean, doesn't everybody force to give his fiance a pair? Um... <laughs> okay, so my dad was Navy, so he cut uh, his and my mom's wedding cake with a saber. And I could just completely imagine that at uh, the, the spoilery wedding of Luke and Mara, because if you didn't know that, where have you been? That Luke and Mara probably both cut the cake with a lightsaber. Hey, Although if I, only one of them did it, it was definitely Mara. Hey, I didn't know that because I haven't oh, read no, these I just, books. Did I just legit spoil David, something? I'm sorry. you spoiled I it. I, I spoiled know. something I from love... before I was old enough to know what it was. Senpai, why have you done this to me? Well, as we as haven't I, met this character I yet, so I'm hoping you forget who they are. On, I would just <laughs> like to note the number of times during her story, Jay said peg. <laughs> Welcome to rabbit hole number one. <laughs> We haven't even gotten to the first bullet point, and we're already on peg jokes. <laughs> I'm talking. <laughs> this is the Mara girl you keep talking about. Uh, you'll find out when we're all older. <laughs> I don't think you got my reference, but okay. I don't think so. I'm not very good at anime references. So, so join the club. So there's this this Japanese trope called being a yandere and that's oh i know what that means yeah it's 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 basically if i can't have you no one else can i'm literally gonna kill <laughs> everyone including you if you try to be with anyone else so that that was the joke I would, and they and they're typically obsessed with a senpai so that it's was like that was the when joke rosa diaz got a puppy <clears throat> <laughs> Okay, that makes perfect sense. I love that show. <laughs> now, on to the actual chapter. <laughs> I just got Anakin like flashbacks to that episode where there's a new astromech droid. <laughs> I just saw Anakin looking at the new astromech that isn't R2 and just being like, you're not R2, you're just some <laughs> common bitch. <laughs> this is the most niche joke in the world. <laughs> <laughs> We are never going to get through this episode today, are we? Okay. <laughs> Refocus. It's my fault now. I'm going to, you know, rein myself back in. <clears throat> so, things on Bakura have gone very badly. Just like this podcast. And we, 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> Although our podcast doesn't have uh, giant screens in the streets announcing the arrests of many of the higher people in the government in an imperial lockdown, uh, which confuses Han to no end because he was not under the impression that they were about to have an imperial invasion of a planet the Imperials already controlled. Um, <laughs> so Han does the most Han thing in the world and starts yelling at C-3PO. Um, the news broadcasts announced that Belden, Captison, and Leia have been arrested by Governor Narius for sedition. Um, and 3PO tries to fill Han in on all of the exposition that has been happening in 3PO's sections of the book where they figure out you know, stuff about the Siruk trying to, you know, take Luke and that the governor is evil. And basically he tries to fill Han in on everything that Han has already learned. And Han starts yelling at him again. <laughs> it's like the third time in this book that C-3PO has been legitimately helpful and has gotten yelled at for his trouble. <laughs> That's more time than in the movies. And so it's like, what a shame because in the movies, C-3PO is always just blathering whenever somebody yells at him. But in this book, C-3PO is actually the most competent person at finding out information. He just happens to have horrible luck with disclosing it right after some other coincidence has enclosed, has uh, disclosed the information to the people that he's talking to. <laughs> it's like right after he learns through a lot of effort significant information luke has like a forced dream and finds out about it right before tripio can tell him <laughs> i just like the fact that the guys's reaction to leia's arrest in this book is essentially luke you have going oh again already <laughs> huh. who'd she headbutt this time and han going that is my wife. <laughs> yeah, basically. So, so the so first thing Han says is, "What prison is she in? I'm gonna go break her out." <laughs> okay, but that went. I think it was David that just said, "Who did she headbutt again this time?" <laughs> that just gave me this image, and we talk about how Leia has done this this kind of negotiation before. I just have this image now in my head of like. Leia at the tuning exams and she's like I'm done holding back and she takes off her side buns and drops them <laughs> like Rock Lee and they're just and then when they hit the ground it's just these massive explosions because they're so heavy <laughs> and she's like alright I'm done playing around <laughs> Leia kind of does have that energy of like there is a point at which Leia snaps and once Leia has snapped you can't put her back in the box like she will never stop. <laughs> Here's the thing. Leia carries the weight of the Rebel Alliance in her <laughs> hair buns. There you go. <laughs> I, Rock Lee, must find out how this Princess Leia does her training. It's so impressive. <laughs> it will be even more impressive um, later on when she actually has political power and she starts using it. It's glorious. It's so good. <laughs> Especially when we meet a particularly unpleasant boffin whose name sounds like failure. Oh, that... that's right. Because oh. that never ends badly with a Skywalker <laughs> getting involved in politics. <laughs> it will have its ups and downs for sure. Um, so Han decides it's time to break Leia out. He's, he's not going to leave her in prison. 
and he decides that the best weapon in getting Leia out of prison is C-3PO. Somehow. And he's correct, though, because C-3PO turns out to be a master hacker uh, and has uses a terminal in the room that they're in very isn't, quickly to locate Isn't that uh, R2's Leia. job, though? It is, and then... Threepio literally complains, like, I'm not equipped for direct access. And Han says something like, well, use your fingers. That's why they built you like a human. Yeah, he literally goes, you have fingers. <laughs> and Threepio, it says he waddles over to the console. And then and he waddles away, waddle, waddle, waddle. Then he waddles yeah, exactly. away, waddle, waddle, waddle. Uh, well, like, I think, I think C-3PO, especially like you see in the movies, doesn't actually have like as good a range of motion as like humans and it's harder mm-hmm. for him and like so i can just imagine c3po thinking to himself yeah just use my fingers sure <laughs> because that's super easy <laughs> like c3po is just so poorly built like he loses one eye, and then he loses both his sight and his hearing, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> and like, I'm not sure if it's possible. I remember I mean, that. I think that was in the prequels. He was, he's literally the droid version of a redneck's project truck. <laughs> True. Uh, like... He acts like he's super sophisticated, but he is essentially just Anakin Skywalker's version of the Millennium Falcon. Which is funny, because, you know, obviously we see other 3PO pattern droids in the movies, so it's not like he's some custom droid. Like, it's a like a kit box or something that Anakin built. Like, you know, 3PO pattern droids are not unique to C-3PO, but no, Anakin just happened to build this one. Well, and, and you know, we see in, in the first few episodes of the movies that it wasn't just that Anakin built him, he salvaged the parts. So it was mm-hmm. like, he, he found this box pattern, but it was missing half the pieces, and he just kind of was like, I can make that work. <laughs> and then he gives the droid to Padme, and Padme's like, you know what, this needs gold. <laughs> yes and she pimp, was correct pimp my droid yes hey guys welcome back to this episode of pimp my droid gold leaf on everything <laughs> here we have this little kid named anakin skywalker from uh, not jakku jakku is tatooine it's, it, jakku tatooine. is slightly red tatooine <laughs> from from tatooine all right all right kid let's see what you got oh my god that's gonna take a lot of work <laughs> I love that like throughout the movies I think 3PO spends four movies maybe five movies not having some mismatched part and one of the movies C3PO is literally broken by the end of it <laughs> I feel like C3PO is a metaphor for anxiety and um, motor skills issues well, what's funny is I've heard a bunch of people, I've never heard it like confirmed from an original source, but a lot of people say that C-3PO and R2-D2 are written specifically to fill the role of peasants in an Akira Kurosawa, a Kurosawa movie, not Akira. What's his first name? I'm blanking. How, how <clears throat> offended 
would C-3PO be? I know, right? <laughs> to be called a peasant. <laughs> but in, in a lot of Kurosawa films, there's usually peasants who we see a lot of the film from the perspective of watching the action heroes do their thing. And they're sort of there to provide some measure of comic relief, but also to bring things down to like a human level. Because a lot of the samurai films, the samurai, even if they don't actually live up to the way they act they act so much more like above everyone else and they they don't show human emotion or uh what we would consider as like humanizing moments so he uses the peasants in the films to kind of do that for the audience almost to translate the humanity of the samurai to the audience whereas the droids uh we see a lot of things from their perspective and they're just sort of like overlooked by most of the people in the movie uh, and I think it's much less so in the prequels. It's it's more, really just more in A New Hope that this is I can a major confirm trick, I the fact that I view things in similar ways to R2-D2. For example, oh, I'm being attacked? What if I set it on fire? And also you. <laughs> See, what I love is that we got in the in the original trilogy, we got R2 and 3PO talking. And 3PO told R2 to watch his language a lot. But we always just assumed, or at least I did, that that was just 3PO being very, like, overly correct and, and easily offended. But then in The Last Jedi, I think we get Luke doing it. And it's like, aha! Now we have confirmation that R2 is actually being offensive and not just offending the sensibilities of a prissy butler. <laughs> I mean, my entire interpretation of R2-D2... In every single piece of media that he has ever shown up in, like throughout the books, throughout the movies, throughout um, the animated series and such, is literally just, he's like, I don't get paid enough for this shit. <laughs> really? I... It's like, I'm a navigator and a mechanic, man. <laughs> I don't get paid enough for this. You know what? especially um look i i make minimum wage and my master never cleans up anything do you know how long i've had this oil in my compartment for you want to find out here watch watch how flammable it is watch how sticky it is it works like glue at this point (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he dropped me in a swamp. My favorite is it's just just that moment when uh, Luke and them are they're leaving Hoth, and and Archie's like, uh, Luke, we're going the wrong way. It looks like, oh no no, we're going to Dagobah. <laughs> then there's this pause, and something scrolls on the screen, and Luke just goes, oh, no no, it's okay. I'll keep it in manual control for now. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably like I'll turn this damn thing around. <laughs> Archie's like, hey, buddy, you want to just put it on autopilot and catch a nap or something? Because you've clearly lost every marble. Dagobah, (laughs) why are we going to Dagobah? (laughs) Or worse, he knows what's on Dagobah. He's like, I don't want to talk to that fruit. Not the swamp, not again. Oh, not again. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so maybe it's just me. But when I rewatched the original trilogy recently, I remember... In that scene, that when Han sees Luke going to Dagobah, he, I remember him saying, Dagobah, why is he going to Dagobah? But apparently that's not a line in the movie. I don't know where I yeah, got it Yeah, I don't think from. he actually tells them he's going to Dagobah before they leave, because there's a, a battle going on. He does say Dagobah system when he's delirious, 
And maybe Han I, comments on it then in the I beginning before he cuts open the Tauntaun. I, I don't rem- remember. I remember that line specifically of Dagobah, why is he going to Dagobah? And it wasn't in the original trilogy. So did my mind just make up this line? Yes. Was it, an, an, was it a deleted scene? <laughs> Who knows? But uh, here's it, the next interesting part here, and also directly related to droids, is the fact that 3PO is used by Han Solo to be like a fake stormtrooper. And frankly, frankly, I feel like C-3PO is the most convincing rebel acting like a stormtrooper ever because he misses every single one of his shots. (laughs) (laughs) See, I always wonder when they, how they got a stormtrooper armor set to fit on C-3PO. Because 3PO's got those bars that connect his forearms to his upper arms at his elbows. (laughs) It's like, are they just cutting holes in the armor with something? I don't know. It's a minor point that I think doesn't really matter. Um, maybe what I maybe do, the black section of the suits is stretchy. I think the black section is supposed to be a body glove, like yeah. it's some kind yeah. of fabric. Yeah. Oh, so it's I definitely think, a I think fabric. that it was literally just an adjustment where it was like, okay, it'll. it'll yeah, but then you have like this stormtrooper with like weirdly buff forearm, <laughs> like Popeye. <laughs> you know, some of some of the women watching this because there are. And some of the men watching it, and some of the non-binary, I, I assume that there are non-binary people just in the Star Wars universe um, watching it, um, must have been sitting there as, as the stormtrooper runs after Han Solo <laughs> going, whoa, he's, <laughs> oh, mm, honey, can pick me up any day of the week. <laughs> C-3PO, suddenly a chick like attempt to stop someone and they're like, that is a himbo. (laughs) (laughs) So the reason that Han is shoving 3PO into a Stormtrooper outfit is because after hacking the Imperial computer systems, locating Leia and turning off all of their aerial sensors so that they won't see Han coming, uh, 3PO is then assigned the task of driving a speeder over to warn Luke and then separately warn Chewie at the Falcon that the Sea Rook are coming, that Leia's been ele- arrested, that the Imperials are locking everything down. And basically, Han says, Tell everyone else everything that you were trying to tell me. You know what uh, annoys me about this scene is that all of this could have been solved if they simply had a group text. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what's funny is that the first thing that 3PO does upon getting into the speeder is call Luke on the comm link. Yeah, like... Like, 3PO never goes physically to see Luke. And I assume that Chewie also has a comm link. Okay, but when did did 3PO learn how to drive a speeder? Uh, I don't know that 3PO did. (laughs) Um, I think that Anakin Skywalker simply decided to download pilot droid information to his Frankensteinian creation <laughs> of a droid. Like, he was just like, oh, 
hey, I found this really interesting program and such. Let's see what it does. And he was like, oh, <laughs> it gives this robot the ability to drive stuff. My little, mom will find that useful. And then, maybe he thought little, it would make 3PO a good chauffeur. Little known fact, C-3PO is the only, the only being in the entire galaxy who can actually drive the Falcon without getting a scratch on it. Oh my gosh. We'll never see him prove it though. Han Solo would be so absolutely Actually, pissed. I want to know now because I, I don't know. There's way too much Legends out there for me to know if there has ever actually been a time where 3PO has to fly the Falcon. I mean, as far as I'm aware, like as far as I recall, there has never been an instance where Han Solo has been desperate enough. I was going to say, that's, <laughs> that's the keyword the there. Controls. <laughs> See, I just assumed it would happen when Han was during was uh, enduring one of his many kidnappings or no, you know, no, recovering they transfer from an the injury. controls over to Chewie <clears throat> and then to Leia, and then um, sometimes they just skip over Luke. <laughs> well, it's because Lando has like next, basically. Yeah, if Lando's <laughs> present, it'll go to Lando after it goes to Leia, as long as the two are married at that point in time, <laughs> which I don't consider a spoiler because everybody knows that they are end goals. They um, had a book and a separate comic book talking about their marriage that had two different versions of the wedding because yes. LucasArts and, oh, excuse me, Lucasfilm wasn't internally communicating very well at the time. Yes. Um, they just well, love each other so much that. they had two weddings. I literally think that is what they ended up doing to explain it. Yeah. Um, personally, um, mood. But um, <laughs> also, then after going through that list, the next up is R2-D2. Yeah, really, though. <laughs> And none of them have all been incapacitated and or not present with the Falcon at the same time in an instance where flight skills are needed and C-3PO is desperate enough to do something <laughs> he doesn't want to do. That's so, true. so the real lesson of this episode is that 3PO is secretly a stud. I mean, you put him in stormtrooper armor and and put him behind the pilot seat of the Falcon. He's he's picking up, he's picking up guys and gals and non-binary pals left and right. <laughs> the Falcon is once again the party ship of the galaxy because C three PO. I mean, there are people wheel. for whom incredible attention to politeness and manners pulls. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> um. <laughs> so 3PO it. sets off on his strange mission and the first Wait, thing he does I is call Luke I was going to further sexualize the robot <laughs> <laughs> please do not stick your hand inside the live machinery he can speak how many tongues oh my god <laughs> 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 so you can finger oh us all can you <laughs> So, so after 3PO sets off, he calls Luke on the phone, basically. Luke is hanging out in a cantina, a cantina, um, right near Pad 12, which is like the Alliance assigned landing pad. And, 
Yeah, there you go. I'm, I'm just providing the background music for, for you. He describes it as having sooty orange countertops. So make of that what you will. Um, but I'm he gets a call a from 3PO as he's about to call the flurry, his carrier, because he just realized that he was still in command of the strike team and he could do something about this invasion. <laughs> this is so hilarious to me. He's just like, command? Wait, I'm in yeah, charge. Like, Wait a minute. <laughs> Oh yeah, I forgot. I'm in charge here. I just—he has so many I, I unread feel, emails on his I computer feel more at this point. It's, it's the equivalent of like, I need to tell the manager. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, and, wait. And, and, but it's not—it's not a good thing. It's like, oh no, I'm in charge. So so then Luke is like, okay, so my first priority is to get back to the ship I'm supposed to be commanding. So he calls for a shuttle and then decides he needs to continue to sit in the cantina, and he starts ordering food for himself and Chewbacca during a crisis. So then 3PO calls him on the phone and says, hey, by the way, everyone's about to try and kidnap you. The planet is some, breaking down. Leia's been kidnapped. just stress eat to cope. <laughs> yeah. You know, that seems like a Skywalker good, family good, trait. Good to know he has his priorities straight, you know, self-care and all that. But yeah, I, mean, I don't know if, if this cantina's food counts as self-care. To take care of your basic bodily functions. Because you're under additional stress, and this is relevant to coronavirus too. He is also recovering from an underlying condition caused by exactly. lightning. So and, exactly. And and parasites. He's he's and parasites. So I don't think he knows about those yet. And also, yeah, just well, then he's feeding the, he's feeding the tapeworms. You know. <laughs> I'm eating for three now. Going on. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes God. when you have sometimes Luke. when you have so many things going on. And there's uh, nothing that you can actually do about it. It makes more sense to simply take care of your basic needs and worry about everything else when you can actually do something. Okay, That's very true. But... I also love the fact that he orders two meals and then realizes that one of the two meals is going to Chewbacca, so he orders three meals. <laughs> no. Whoever said, whoever said, I'm eating for three now. Just, um, I, if, if Luke ever said that around Leia, we all know immediately she would just stare at him in shock while thinking, okay, what species has my brother been getting kinky with? <laughs> and then she, and then she'd turn into the meme where it's like the math all over and the woman is thinking See, i feel like that would actually happen but leia's actual thought would be who taught him that phrase because he clearly doesn't know what it means it would be she'd start looking around for, well i mean realistically she'd start looking around for like jason or something <laughs> um yeah, not, yeah. Not this no, jason, I, I get it a different jason <laughs> i yet to be introduced to this universe jason um is 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 he my son? <laughs> no, it's spelled J E C E N. Confusing childhood me who thought the name was Jaken. Wow. Um. Anyway, three PO also says, "Hey, Luke. By the way, for some reason I can't call Chewbacca, but can you call Chewbacca and tell him not to shoot the stormtrooper about to drive up to the Falcon <laughs> in a speeder?" <laughs> Which Luke does not do. 
Luke is literally sitting in a cantina waiting on an order with nothing better to do. And he forgets to tell Chewie not to shoot 3 p. He doesn't even text him or anything. He doesn't even try. <laughs> oh. Which predictable results we'll find in chapter 15. Meanwhile, um, we cut back to Han's rescue attempt, which involves him rigging, basically putting a brick on the accelerator of his speeder and bailing to cause a distraction. Um, And then sneaking into the house that Narius is keeping Leia in. Um, Because for some reason, Narius is keeping Leia at some diplomatic retreat. So it's got like a fireplace and catered food. And like a view of the mountains. So basically a high scale prison. You could say you could say yeah. that Han at that point was a rebel without a cause. <laughs> I realize that that is a very bad taste joke, but I've already said I, it. I was gonna say insert the uh, <laughs> the CSI Miami intro scene just Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Han, Han breaks in, thinking the whole time, this is way too easy. And then Leia almost hits him with a chair. <laughs> and she goes in with a chair! Because she is in the process of attempting her own breakout. <laughs> That's like... Oh my god. And then Leia's first question is, alright, what's the plan to get out of here? And Han basically scratches his head and goes, get out? I just got in here. <laughs> Um, I and so they begin to formulate an escape. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's really almost that. He's just sort of like, "Well, I mean, I heard you were kidnapped, so." I mean, he here goes I am. to the school of just wing it, you know. Plan A. Really, that is so much of Plan everything a, he does. Save Leia. Oh, I get it because he's a pilot. He's gonna wing it. <laughs> Uh, he just thinks he can so... talk his way out of everything. Han is hilarious because Han thinks he is the world's yes. suavest guy. And really, I have never seen Han talk his way out of trouble. Almost every time he starts talking, he gets him into trouble. He's like, uh, no, we we don't need backup. We're good. We're good. What's what's he, your number? He is a bard that took charisma what, what's your as number? a dumpster. Uh, uh, <laughs> that, so, that is so perfect. Luke, we're going to have company. My, one of my favorite Han moments is uh, from Force Awakens when he's trying to convince the two... Uh, the two clans <laughs> to not kill him. What have I ever done you wrong? <laughs> it's like, buddy, um, come on. We have a running <laughs> <Yeah>. list. <laughs> when have I ever not delivered you? Once, once, only once. And then like twice. And then he's like, no, twice? What? What was the second time? And then Chewie was like, oh. <laughs> Chewie, Chewie had just looked I like, when, you're not when, winning when this. Finn basically Han solos Han later when they're on uh, Starkiller base. And he's like, oh, I worked in sanitation. And Han's just like, wait a minute. <laughs> and Finn's just like, no, 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 we'll figure it out. We'll figure okay, it out. It's but, the force. <laughs> but in, in Finn's defense, if you work sanitation, you know the base. That's all you need for that purpose. Like, that is like, other than like an engineer who worked on the machinery itself, sanitation is like the the perfect guide to figuring out a giant space base. (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. I I think it's hilarious that Han's reaction is to get really mad. And I also, I love watching that scene specifically because I just love the way that Harrison Ford growls out, that's not how the force (laughs) works. And then me like 
It's like, oh, that's character growth. <laughs> exactly. It's so great. I love that. Oh, I love that scene. Uh, but any scene where Harrison Ford gets angry is hilarious to me, and I don't know why. <laughs> Even in other movies, because like, he's Harrison... the scene where he's really mad at the police at the beginning he... of The Fugitive always has my wife and I. Because like, he's stitches. Harrison Ford, he's one of the sassiest <laughs> men to ever live. <laughs> he just has a really, really unique angry face, and he's mastered like the finger point that doesn't quite connect with pointing at anyone. I think I think one of my favorite Harrison Ford moments was when he was on a talk show, and I forget whose talk show it was. And this was before they announced. Uh, the force awakens uh-huh. and so the host was like you know i've heard rumors around hollywood that there may be a new star wars movie coming out do you have anything to say to that and harrison ford's like you got a five and so the 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 oh the, the host yeah, takes out his wallet gives harrison ford some money he takes it puts it in his pocket all nonchalant and is like I don't know. I heard they might be making another one. Who knows? I think I remember seeing that one, yeah. <laughs> oh, he's so great. I love the one where Mark Hamill's being interviewed. I think it's on Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon. I can't remember which Jimmy. <laughs> but he starts doing a Harrison Ford impression. And it's like spot on because apparently Mark Hamill's impression game is like A+. plus. <clears throat> but he starts talking about this story about back when they were filming a new hope um luke being young up-and-coming eager actor innocent bright-eyed mark hamill uh, i think i just called him luke um but mark is has got the script and he realizes they're shooting a scene that takes place right after the trash compactor scene (laughs) and he starts like getting really concerned and he goes to harrison ford and he's like harrison um shouldn't we have like stuff in our hair and it's all like messed up and wet and harrison's just like don't worry about it. It's not that kind of movie, kid. <laughs> it's like if it's if they're looking at our hair, there's we got worse problems. Okay, so as an actor, I would I would have my response would have been like, don't tell anyone. Yeah. Trust me, you don't want them to realize it. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. It is not fun having to be covered in mud and grime and makeup and all that stuff and then having to shoot shoot an action scene i also love that apparently during the trash compactor scene right after he's been like drowned by the 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 dianoga thing uh mark hamill was trying to like really get into the scene I, i i just get the sense from the way he talks about it that he was just like very very eager to do a good job and so he was like hyperventilating and holding his breath the whole time to try and make his face look flushed and george lucas just like walks up to him at some point when he realizes what's going on he's like all right mark i need you to breathe because do you see all these red lights you're never going to be able to see the color of your face in this room (laughs) 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 and i would much rather you just continue to breathe I think we successfully managed to talk our way through chapter 14 with many rabbit trails this week. <laughs> I mean, we had because to balance we end it chapter 14. I mean, we had almost no rabbit trails last week. It had to balance out. <laughs> there we go. I brought them all with me this week. Perfectly balanced as all things should be. Oh no, you'll cross the streams. <laughs> we must bring balance to the force. Is that better? This is like that Parks and Rec episode where Peyton Oswalt like ad libbed an entire speech about a Star Wars X Men crossover oh, for like God, fifteen yeah. minutes. <laughs> I think one of my favorite ad lib stories 
is one about Robin Williams when he and one of uh, this actor who was kind of Robin's mentor, uh-huh. they were doing this scene and they just started ad-libbing and they keep rolling and they, they keep rolling. They have to put another film. Ca- this is one of those old film can film cameras where you have to like manually roll the film. Oh and yeah. Yeah. They, they put the can and, and they've gone through like three or four different film canisters and someone, <laughs> and the cameraman just leaves, leans over to the director is like, Hey, we're on our last film canister. And he's like, go get more. <laughs> and they went, they went through like a total of nine film canisters of Robin and this other actor just ad libbing. That's and amazing. Yeah. It's, it's great. Oh, uh, that's and it explains like all of his performances on uh, whose line is it anyway? Like yeah. he could improv the, like nobody else. <laughs> Robin, Robin was a legend, and agreed. He, I think he is the only actor who I've ever seen who can make Waiting for Godot worth it. <laughs> <laughs> if you so, if you've never seen Waiting for Godot, it is a it is a two hour play of pretty much entirely nothing, literally nothing for two hours until these two characters come on at the end. And one of them has a super long monologue. That's like the biggest monologue in the entire play. It's like five or six pages long. And Robin Williams once played that character on a film version of waiting for Godot. And he just did such a good job job like that is the only (laughs) that is the only version of waiting for godot that is worth sitting through two hours of absolutely nothing (laughs) well there you go we have a film recommendation this week everybody well it's a it's a play not a film oh i thought it was the robin williams film version okay well it it is the film version but it's version well the i should say the original script is made for the stage and it Ah, it is very hard to find that film version, if I re- remember correctly. That makes but, sense. Uh, he he did a, yeah, he, he, yeah. <laughs> Robin Williams is amazing. Yeah. <clears throat> that that play has been around for like two hundred years, and he's the first person to ever make it interesting. Well, that is a recommendation for sure. <laughs> Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, This has been Legends of the New Republic and many other random topics. Uh, I am David. You can find me on Twitter at aka Agent Shades. You can find me at YouTube uh, or on YouTube at youtube.com slash C slash Agent Shades. And you can also um, find me occasionally now on Twitch. Uh, I've been playing through Final Fantasy VIII Saturdays uh, at 11 o'clock. I've never played a Final Fantasy game, so it's been kind of an interesting experience. Uh, and and I'm Jason, and you can find me right now at uh, on Twitter at GhostShark20, and that's pretty much it right now. And I'm Kat, and you can find me on Twitter at SeagullSoup. Don't look for me anywhere else. Hello, I am Jay, a.k.a. SharkRay24, you can find me pretty much anywhere under that name. And now is the time that I'm going to take the time to do a shameless self-plug and say that I have voice acting commissions open up. Please, Yay! give me money. I need it. <laughs> um, but 
Yeah, on my YouTube, I do gaming videos every Monday and Friday. Currently, Let's Playing Persona 5, and I do other videos every few Wednesdays or so. All right, well, thank you everyone for joining me tonight, and thank you all for listening, and we will see you next week for more Truce at Pakora. Bye.